Welcome to the Medical Mnemonist Podcast, brought to you by Med School Coach. Each episode, take a journey into the top techniques for medical mnemonics, study skills, board exam tips, and accelerated learning in higher education. Now, here's your host, Chase DeMarco. Habits are something of great debate. Actually, they have been for many years, but I would say in the past few years, there has been a lot more research on the topic and you keep hearing different numbers. Oh, it takes 30 days to create a new habit or 60 or 90. I am going to focus less on the timeline for creating these habits and more the actions that need to be taken in order to form better habits or get rid of some bad habits. In particular, there are two really popular books out there and they give a lot of research, a lot of information for how to go about this and really a framework for thinking about habit formation. And for the effective learner, and we are lifetime learners, lifelong learners, so we need to form good study habits and good habits in the rest of our lives. Routines help to decrease cognitive load a lot. And these two books that I really want to intermix a bit because they work together synergistically, but they cover the topic in slightly different ways. And that is The Power of Habits and Atomic Habits. The Power of Habits from Charles Duhigg, who is a Pulitzer Prize winning author, really focuses on certain aspects of the science in this framework, which is a three-step framework. And he says that habits are really from the cue, the routine, and the reward. Now, what this means is the cue is the first step for any habit formation. And this is the sensation or the trigger that causes the habit to start or that routine. And that routine is really strengthened by the reward at the end. One of the examples he gives in the book is smoking cigarettes. So you might have this cue, getting in the car, finishing a meal, whatever it might be that triggers this routine, having a cigarette afterwards. And then the reward is that dopamine rush. And of course, we have many different types of habits. We have good habits. We have bad habits. We have habits regarding our health. We have habits regarding our mental capacities or mental health. We have habits regarding our interactions with other people. So knowing what the cues are for these different habits, for these routines, is very important. The problem is sometimes you can't change the cue. You can't stop eating and you can't stop driving your car for most people anyway. So what do you do in that point? Well, if you can change the cue, fine, do it. And this is simple as, in some instances, changing your environment a little bit. It's easier to maybe not purchase that junk food when you go into the store than to not eat it when it's already in your pantry and you look at it every day. So in that aspect, changing the environment, changing the cue can be very useful. But for a lot of our habits, especially our bad habits, this can be difficult to really have a lot of control over the cue we probably want to focus more on the routine. And remember, the routine is emphasized, it's strengthened by that reward. So we need to find some replacement for that reward. Again, using the cigarette smoking aspect that he gives as an example in the book, well, instead of having that cigarette for the neurohormonal changes that occur, what about exercising instead? So you get that cue, and instead of lighting a cigarette, go for a jog, do some push-ups. Grab your weight set. And by changing the routine, but still keeping that reward, that craving sensation positive, 
we can then alter some of our habits. So I want you to think about a couple of habits that you have right now, either good ones that you would like to start forming and strengthening, or maybe some bad ones that you'd like to start eliminating from your normal routines, from your normal habits. Now, jumping over to one of the key focus points of atomic habits, he mentions that in creating a new habit, you want to do a few things. You want to make it obvious, you want to make it attractive, you want to make it easy, and you want to make it satisfying. So you see, we kind of have the same framework here. Instead of the cue, routine, and reward seen in Charles Duhigg's book, author James Clear really wants to make this easy for everyone to understand. It's really kind of in layperson speak. Well, you want to make it obvious because if it's obvious, it's harder to avoid. You want to make it attractive and satisfying so that you have that, that same reward aspect that we saw in the first three-part segment. And you want to make it easy because we tend to go the easy route. So if you make it too difficult, you might not do the necessary steps in order to change your habits in the way that you want to. Or if you do, it might just take a lot longer. An example for this that I have to do all the time is whether for work or studying, I need to, at the end of each night, set things up in a way that's going to make this obvious, attractive, and easy for me the next day. I have to clear my desk of everything that is not like the one or two things that I need to fix or finish that next day. Close all my browser windows on the computer and just put up the Word document or the one page that I need to complete that task. So by having this already set up in the morning, I can just get to work. I don't need to struggle to find it, waste this cognitive load, this energy, and then it becomes too hard. And then I might be less likely to complete the tasks at hand and start forming those good habits that I want to form. And he also states that the inverse is true for breaking bad habits. So make it less obvious. Hide something. Make it harder instead of easier. Make it less attractive. If I don't want to watch as much TV, I might take the batteries out of the remote or unplug the TV altogether. And now those extra steps I have to take in order to watch TV next time are going to be less attractive. It's going to be harder, less satisfying. So we can use these basic principles to start forming habits and to start eliminating bad habits. Now, in The Power of Habits, there are two main points that really deserve a little bit of focus, and that is the willpower aspect of forming habits and the term keystone habits. So let's look at willpower first. And willpower goes by a lot of different names depending on the science behind it. I like to also attribute this to cognitive load. And basically, willpower states that there is a finite amount that you have every day. It gets depleted. It gets worn out over the day as you come across other tasks that you need to do and other aspects of your life arise. So to form stronger willpower, there's a couple steps that Charles Duhigg recommends. One is to do something that requires a lot of discipline. So this is the hard brute force strengthening of your willpower. Do things that are harder and you'll get better at doing things that are harder. But also he states that planning ahead and imagining the worst case scenario can really help to overcome obstacles when they arise. Now, anyone that's listened to past episodes on WHOOP or read our book, Read This Before Medical School, knows about a lot of these topics. We cover them in that book as well. And WHOOP or Wish Obstacle Outcome Plan is basically a specific strategy for planning ahead, imagining all of the obstacles that can arise, and then finding ways to overcome them. So when problems inevitably arise, you already have a plan in place. And the last one is to preserve your autonomy. 
if someone is demanding a lot of work from you, whether this be at a job or in the classroom, you lose a lot of your autonomy, and that can defeat and break down some of your willpower. So when these three things are out of sync, your willpower is going to be diminished. You're not going to be able to focus for as long or as focused on a particular topic. So take whatever steps you can to increase these three aspects in yourself. Plan ahead, make things a little bit more difficult, and try to preserve as much autonomy as is allowed in the situation ahead of you. So what Charles Duhigg also mentions are these keystone habits, and this is basically the small changes or small habits that can make a huge change ultimately, overall. It's the first domino that sets off the domino effect. And we looked at this in Eat That Frog, taking small bites of large tasks, and then it makes it easier to start doing the rest. There's another one in The One, the book The One by Gary Keller, who says just knock over that first domino, and each consecutive domino after can be larger and larger and larger, and it'll still be knocked down from the force of the first one. So this is kind of a similar concept there. Form these keystone habits, these small habits, whether that be starting your day with meditation or a workout maybe, or like I said, having things prepared already at night, I'm too worn out to really do any more work. So I'm going to plan for the next day, set everything up so that it's easy to accomplish the bigger tasks later on. Find your keystone habits, find your small changes that you can implement on a regular basis. Make these strong habits and everything else will start to fall into place a little easier. And these points are echoed in Atomic Habits, where James Clear states that just having small changes over time lead to much bigger and longer-lasting total effects. So how can we implement things now to make our clinical lives easier, our home lives easier, our health lives easier and more productive? Think of a couple of goals that you would like to set and a couple of habits you would like to form to make those goals easier. Goals form the path but systems are what get you there, says James Clare. So we can focus on changing the cue when possible, or the routine when it's not possible to really change the cue. We can work on developing and strengthening our willpower, and we can form these small keystone habits that'll help set up the domino effect for bigger and better change down the road. But there's something really different about atomic habits in the way that he describes more advanced, I would say, habit-creating skills. And the first one starts with an actual tool that anyone can implement, and this is the habit scorecard. This is where neutral things are a zero, and positive things and negative things have a negative or positive relationship. So when you're keeping your scorecard throughout the day, you can assign values, stronger positives and stronger negatives to bigger goals, to bigger habits anyway, and smaller for smaller and see how many of these good habits and bad habits you form over a period of time. And it just gives you a little way to sort of self-assess and to monitor your progress over time. And it will take time. Like I said, there's a huge debate, depending on what research you read and when, on how many days it takes to form a habit. We shouldn't worry about it, because, like everything, small incremental change over a long period of time has the greatest effect. So whether it's 30 days, 60, 90, you should be doing this pretty much the rest of your life, no matter what. So don't worry about the timeline. And what seems to be a little bit more unique about Atomic Habits is really this discussion about habit stacking and temptation bundling. I love these terms. A lot of you might have heard of habit stacking before. And this is where 
you create a basic habit, a simple habit, and then you start to add other habits to that initial habit. So you're stacking them on top of each other. And you can go on and on indefinitely. So you can bundle your workout with a healthy snack. That's probably easy. Most of us, if we're going to work out, are probably going to try to eat something healthy afterwards and not go get a fast food burger. Or you can bundle your education, maybe listening to some audio lecture or a podcast with a walk or a jog. So you're bundling your education and your habit of exercise. So find unique ways to add on to your initial habits that you're trying to form or that you've already formed to make them stronger, to really get that stacking higher and higher. And sooner than later, you'll end up with a host of good habits that you're accomplishing all at the same time because that first domino hit and it hit the next and the next and the next. But not to completely forget about the negative aspects, the bad habits that we might have. Well, we can make them supposedly less bad by temptation bundling. And this is really where you're combining a good habit with a bad habit. If you're having trouble completely eradicating it or just have no interest in completely eradicating it, then at least mix it with something good. I'd love to use the one of TV because that's my worst temptation, bad habit. But sometimes I'll mix TV with education. I'll watch something on The Great Courses Plus or watch an educational lecture, find some really interesting science YouTube channels and watch those. So at least I'm mixing my bad habit with something productive. And of course, we all need rewards and breaks. You can't do this all the time or you'll probably get burnt out. But wherever you can fit it in, you can make those small incremental changes to benefit yourself long term. So now hopefully we have some tools working on our willpower and our keystone habits to form that domino effect and get habit stacking going down the road somewhere. But again, we all need some help from time to time. And giving yourself little rewards here and there can be very beneficial. Make a small reward. I'll eat a cookie after this. I'll go out and just do nothing for a while. Sometimes it's great just to go lay outside and look up at the trees and not have to worry about anything. But also this can be made easier from what I discussed earlier with really setting up your environment. So if you have a specific dedicated environment for studying, for instance, it's going to be so much easier when you go into that environment to actually do the task that it's set up for. So why they say if you watch TV in your bedroom, for instance, it's probably more difficult to go to sleep regularly. Or if you're doing what I do and usually working in the same area that I'm eating, well, now that area has been divided for two different reasons. So I might not fully focus on working or studying while there's food right next to me. Can get distracted by that. If you have the ability to have one area that's solely for this purpose or that purpose, then it has made it easier. It's decreased the obstacles in front of you to accomplish whatever the goal is that you went in there for. If you find yourself struggling with any of these techniques, you can do different types of habit tracking and you can download free examples online. I'm sure there are some you can buy on Amazon or something along those lines if you would like, but tracking your habits over time is also very beneficial in the aspect that you can see progress. And when we see progress in ourselves, even small incremental progress, then we get more motivated to continue and we're also kind of forced to keep ourselves honest and keep doing it keep tracking it if you just say i'm going to do it in my head and then there's no way to keep myself accountable for that material so do keep yourself accountable you can just grab your calendar 
mark today's date and write an X every time for each date that you did this task or this habit and a Y or a Z for that habit and something as simple as that. Now you can see how many days a week did I actually do this the way I said I was going to. How many days a week did I do X amount of QBank questions? And then one last thing that James Clear mentioned in Atomic Habits was a psychological component to this motivation. Yes, it's very beneficial to habit track and to have these different tools for monitoring yourself. But also the mentality you go into it with can make a difference. If anyone's listened to or read Presence by Dr. Amy Cuddy, there's a lot that goes into our psychology just based on how we enter an environment, how we enter a new setting. What level of confidence are we trying to give off? That whole fake it till you make it if you need to. But if you consider yourself an action, if you consider yourself an identity that is associated with the task at hand, you are usually better at doing it. If I say I'm an athlete, then I'm probably going to have a stronger workout routine than if I go in there saying that I'm a musician. Or if I go in saying I am healthy, then I'm probably going to eat better than if I said I'm a gamer. I don't know, maybe a terrible example. So if you go in and saying I am organized, I have great habits, these sorts of self-affirmations can actually provide an interesting psychological synergism and make you more likely with your motivation, with your tools that we've discussed here, to complete these habit-forming behaviors much quicker, much more powerfully than you might otherwise. So I think that's all I got for you today. I do want to say that our sister organization, findarotation.com, is now accepting guest posts. So if you or any of your colleagues have any interest in adding to your CV, having these posted, we're really looking for topics in clinical rotations, clerkships, teaching, tutoring, any of those types of educational topics for healthcare students in general, do consider reaching out to us and reach out to me, reach out to finderotation.com and get your material published and help benefit the other students, especially if you have some interesting scenarios you've run into before. I know I did during my third and fourth year rotations and giving that experience to others, showing them the obstacles that can arise can help them better plan. And sometimes it's just fun to share an interesting, funny, or even sad story. So until next week, I'll leave you with that. Hope to hear from you and start implementing these habits today. The Medical Mnemonist podcast is powered by Med School Coach. To access Med School Coach services, including USMLE tutoring and residency admissions advising, visit our website at medschoolcoach.com. Good luck as you prepare for your board exams, and we hope you tune in again next time.